1: Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Oh, I'm coming at you not so early anymore, but still early on a Friday. I got up early to write this very script for you all. Luckily, I started it yesterday in between production work on another show I've been working on. I feel like it's not... Quite ready for me to be able to announce exactly what it is, but um, I will say that I am co producing another show with someone who has uh, become a very good friend of mine, and I'm very, very excited for that to come out hopefully in June. You won't be hearing my voice as often on that show. I'll probably pop in every now and again with some ideas or questions or whatever. And I think there's some there's certain segments that I'll I'll probably be a part of and things like that as well. But I think that, you know, if you're a fan of this show, you will definitely be interested in listening to the show that's going to be coming out later on in the spring. So I'll definitely... Be updating you with everything that I can as I'm able to and things like that. But it was a long day. We recorded the first episode, which also meant, you know, we recorded a lot of intros and promos and little, it was, it was a lot. It was a very long, long, long day, but it was a a really good day. It was an emotional day. Oh my goodness. So, I hope I don't sound too tired this morning because I'm definitely feeling really, really tired. I'm on my third cup of coffee, so that's how you know I'm going to be vibrating by the end of this episode. So I wanted to thank you all for being so patient and letting me, you know, kind of get this episode done last night and this morning and get it out to you a little bit later on in the day today. Also, because I was lacking on time severely this week, I am going to give you a shorter mini episode, but there are two stories in particular that I think are really important for me to share and to make known and discuss on the show. So I'm going to make sure to do that. Also, after I share these stories, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the upcoming book for the Angry Feminist Book Club, the book that we will be covering in the month of March for Women's History Month. So if you want to know a little bit more about the book Women Talking and what we're going to be talking about, stay tuned for the end of the episode for that. And also just a reminder in regards to Patreon, the second episode that will be covering the book Barracoon, the story of the last quote, Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston will be uploaded on March 2nd. So if you want your thoughts and opinions on the book to be heard on the show, be sure to reach out to me by February 28th. With all of your thoughts and feelings, either email me or send me a DM on Instagram and I'll be sure to add it into the content of the show so that we all can be part of the conversation together. I think that's going to be the best part about all of this. So, If you haven't checked out Patreon, definitely do so. The Angry Feminist Book Club is at the $5 tier. And if you want to get these episodes ad-free, you can join the $8 tier. I kept thinking it was $9 for some reason. I think I've been saying that the last few weeks, but I am correcting myself now. It is an $8 tier. So for $3 more, you also get these episodes ad-free. Okay, enough stalling. We need to talk about some really serious stuff that happened this week. The 67th mass shooting this year occurred on Monday at the campus of the University of Michigan. The 43-year-old gunman with no attachment to the university killed three students and injured five before ending their own life after being confronted by the police. Eight people total were shot, and they were all students. The ones who lost their lives were Arielle Diamond Anderson, a junior, Brian Fraser, a sophomore, and Alexandria Verner, a junior. Of those injured, four out of five of them received surgery, and one was taken directly to the ICU. One of the doctors told the media, without going into specifics of the injuries, I will say that it took a team of numerous anesthesiologists, trauma surgeons, general surgeons cardiothoracic surgery and neurosurgery team to handle the full extent of the injuries. The most perplexing thing to me about this case is the motive. When the cops searched the pockets of the gunman after his death, they found a note indicating that he was targeting two New Jersey public schools, the state where he's from. He had previously been arrested in 2019 for carrying a weapon without a license and was sentenced to probation and his father told the media that his son had, quote, anger issues. Shelter-in-place was enacted at the university following the shooting, and all school activities were canceled for 48 hours, with classes resuming this coming Monday. Thankfully, counselors and other treatment is being made available to students and staff at the university. This shooting occurred just hours before the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting at Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School, a point that Joe Biden made when he gave his condolences to those affected by Monday's mass shooting. This was really a slap in the face to me because this was another thing, you know, we just celebrated five years with your angry neighborhood feminist, and I remember the Parkland shooting being one of the first major, like, Breaking news stories that Keegan and I discussed. We went to a protest shortly after the events together and held up our signs and all of that. And it's, it always puts things into perspective for me when certain anniversaries line up or we're remembered of certain things and we can look back over a passage of time. I also have really strong memories of Sandy Hook, particularly because I was in treatment at the time and. It was a very confusing situation for me, especially because we didn't really, we weren't allowed to like watch TV for most of the day. Like we had a couple hours at night, but then it was like heavily regulated and we always had to watch some like dumb reality show or something. The news wasn't like really on in the treatment center. And I just remember having to use the internet to get a lot of information, but watching President Obama speak and all of that. And when I think about the passage of time from, you know, the past 10 years, years, five years, and then now, and seeing that the same events are repeating themselves over and over and over again, but we're not seeing any different reaction to them. And it makes me wonder if we've become desensitized to it in a way, which doesn't make sense to me because I feel like the more and more mass shootings and school shootings there are, more and more of the population would have been directly affected by it. And I guess within that, I'm hoping that the next generation of policymakers will have the drive and the motivation to be able to make more effective changes in our, in our gun laws and our protections, because I just can't believe that this keeps happening. And like I mentioned, more and more people are being affected by mass shootings and gun violence. Some of the students in Michigan had actually been involved in school shootings before. One student knew the victims of the Oxford shooting in Michigan in November 2021, and another was put on lockdown at her school in Newtown, Connecticut during the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary. When looking into information about the victims that were affected by this shooting, I read an article on CNN, which talks a little bit about the people that the victims were before their lives were cut short. Arielle Anderson was described as having a gentle laugh and was full of ambitions. She was studying to become a doctor. Her aunt is reality TV star Chandra Davis, who said in an Instagram post, have you ever met a young person who was simply pure in heart? Well, that was Ariel, simply pure. She never raised her voice past a whisper or gentle laugh. Alexandria Werner was described as, quote, everything you'd want your daughter or friend to be. She was studying biology at the university, and she also played volleyball, basketball and softball. Brian Frazier was the president of the Michigan chapter of Beta Phi Delta Theta, described as a leader and great friend to his brothers. He was 20 years old and studying business. I mentioned at the top that this was the 67th mass shooting in 2023. As I record this, there have only been 48 days in 2023 total, making it so that roughly one and a half mass shootings happen every day. So far this year, there have been many school shootings as well. They've happened at the Stanford Elementary in Kentucky, another school in Des Moines, Iowa, Episcopal High School in Delaware, the Michigan shooting, and even since then, the Westington House Academy in Pennsylvania. I've spoken so much on mass shootings and school shootings lately, and as always, I'm struggling to think of new things to say. We must have our gun laws and policies changed, but no one seems to want to do that in our government, and I really just don't understand It seems so strange to see Biden give his condolences over and over again when he has the executive power to make change. And I always think of Sandy Hook when Obama was president. If change didn't happen then, will anything ever happen? I just feel really hopeless and scared. But luckily, talking about it with all of you and getting more information always does seem to help.
0: During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts.
1: There is one other very sad but very important story that I want to cover that happened this past week. In last week's full-length episode, I shared the stories of three Black transgender women from history— Frances Thompson, Mary Jones, and Lucy Hicks Anderson, who were wrongly persecuted and horribly abused in their lives because they were transgender. These stories took place back in the 1800s, long before we had the education about gender and sexuality that we have available to us now. But though hundreds of years have passed, Black transgender people are targeted and killed more than any other demographic. There was a young trans girl that was killed this past week. She wasn't black, but I still feel like it is important to remember the highest demographic within transgender violence. She was a young girl named Brianna Gay from England, and she was just 16 years old. I just wonder how in the world today, with so much access to knowledge, which should lead to understanding, is there still such a target on the trans community? Why would anyone's identity be so intimidating to another that they have to end another person's life? How does someone hold that much hate in their heart? Brianna was born in July 2006, and she was from Cheshire, England. Her parents described her as having a, quote, larger-than-life character, who would leave a lasting impression on all that met her. She was known for being very helpful and supportive of the other trans girls in her life. She was also very active on TikTok and was creating quite a following. On the other hand, her friends told the media that Brianna faced extreme harassment from her peers. They said that she was often physically assaulted and, in their words, gang beaten. Apparently, her parents had even complained to the school many times before, and there was no change. Her body was found in Lanier Park on February 11th by visitors of the park. It's very eerie. Her last video on TikTok showed her walking in that Berry Park. A pair of 15-year-olds, a boy and a girl, have been arrested and charged with murder. They were refused bail and sent to youth detention. The police initially said they did not believe this was a hate crime, but have since told the public that they believe it was a targeted attack and investigating it as a possible hate crime. If this isn't An obvious hate crime, I don't know. The family has since been given over 52,000 pounds through an online donation service with the funds going toward Brianna's funeral expenses and to help support her family in their time of grief. One other way Brianna's parents described her was beautiful, witty, and hilarious. And I'm sure she is severely missed already. Rest peacefully, my love. Four days ago, the Human Rights Campaign posted an article announcing the killing of Zachi Wataho, known simply as Zachi by Friends, a black trans woman from Rwanda who now lives in the U.S., who was shot and killed on February 3rd. The perpetrator was a former co-worker. Her death marked at least the fourth violent killing of a trans or gender nonconforming person in 2023. Brianna would have been the fifth known. Not only are they being violently killed, but it is usually done by someone they know. They seem so targeted and personal and ugly that I can't imagine the darkness in the souls of someone who can do such a thing. According to a study between 2013 and 2022, approximately 29% of trans and gender nonconforming people with known killers have had their lives taken by acquaintances, a friend, family member, or intimate partner. Incident partners alone make up 19% of all known perpetrators. We have to demand better legislation at a local, state, and federal level and reject harmful anti trans legislation to see the end of these violent crimes happening to one demographic. My heart goes out to all of those who were affected, whether it be knowing Brianna personally, seeing her on TikTok, or being a trans or gender non-conforming person being affected by this story. I can't imagine the amount of fear that so many people live with just because they want to be who they are. And I can never understand why someone else's existence could be so intimidating to another person. To me, that just shows... An incredible weakness within them. All right, I don't really have a palate cleanser topic for you. So I thought I would tell you a little bit about the book I'm reading now to prepare for March's Angry Feminist Book Club episode. So I am going to read a little bit from Women Talking... And I want to apologize because I think that I have been pronouncing the author's last name wrong while I have now educated myself. Apparently, her name is pronounced Miriam Taves, I think, but it's spelled T-O-E-W-S, so I really apologize for saying their name wrong. No offense was intended, but I am going to do my best to pronounce it correctly from now on. I wanted to read the very beginning where it says a note on the novel from the author, because it tells the true story behind what's in the book. This is a direct quote. Between 2005 and 2009, in a remote Mennonite colony in Bolivia named Manitoba Colony, after the province in Canada, many girls and women would wake in the morning feeling drowsy and in pain, their bodies bruised and bleeding, having been attacked in the night. The attacks were attributed to ghosts and demons, Some members of the community felt the women were being made to suffer by God or Satan as punishment for their sins. Many accused the women of lying for attention or to cover up adultery. Still, others believed everything was the result of wild female imagination. Eventually, it was revealed that eight men from the colony had been using an animal anesthetic to knock their victims unconscious and rape them. In 2011, these men were convicted in a Bolivian court and received lengthy prison sentences. In 2013, while the convicted men were still in jail, it was reported that similar assaults and other sexual abuses were continuing to take place in the colony. Women talking is both a reaction through fiction to these true-life events and an act of female imagination, which I think is a really beautiful way of putting what you're about to read in the book. And now I'm actually going to read you the back cover. (laughs) I promise the whole book club isn't just me reading the book to you, but I did really enjoy that note from the author, and I wanted to read you what the actual book is going to be entailing as well. So again, direct quote. One evening, eight Mennonite women climb into a hay loft to conduct a secret meeting. For the past two years, each of these women and more than a hundred other girls in their colony has been repeatedly violated in the night by demons coming to punish them for their sins. Now that the women have learned that they were in fact drugged and attacked by a group of men from their own community, they must choose. Will they stay in the only world they've ever known or dare to escape? I'm so excited to read more of this book. I'm probably only about a quarter of the way into it right now because I take lots and lots of notes and do lots of highlighting as I'm reading, so it always takes me forever. But I'm really, really enjoying this story, and I'm glad that I'm reading this book before the movie comes out. So if you want to join me in that adventure, please do so. You can go to www.patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or click on the link in the show notes or in the Instagram bio. If there's any thoughts that you have on, you know, on the first book that I covered, on women talking, or if you have any book suggestions for the future, please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angry angryneighborhoodfeminist. I'm also going to remind you that if you haven't left a review lately, it was so funny because as I was editing the episode last where I was essentially begging you for another review because it had been a while, I noticed that I had a new one. So thank you. I really appreciate it. But if you are one of those who really enjoy the show and just haven't quite gotten over to Apple Podcasts yet... I would really appreciate a five-star review with just a little itty-bitty sentence about why you enjoy the show. And if you're a listener on Spotify, you can go ahead and rate the show over there as well. It really, really helps me out. And also, don't forget to use any of the promo codes that I've been using in these episodes. That's another really, really wonderful way for you to support me. But also, I'm really enjoying all of the products that I've been able to talk to you about or services. So I heavily encourage you that if you're in need of any of those products or services to use use that code to your greatest advantage. All right. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for your patience. Once again, waiting for this episode, it looks like it actually won't be up too late. Very proud of myself. All right. That's all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye.
2: Listen to Repin wherever you get your podcasts.